big warm welcome to you. This is the Aware Parenting Podcast with Lael Stone and Marion Rose, PhD. We have juicy conversations about things that matter in parenting and life. We're exploring all that Aware Parenting has to offer from many different angles, and we are so glad that you're here. Hello and a big warm welcome to you. My name's Marion Rose. And I'm Lael Stone. And today we're talking about teens and limits. But before we do, let's have a little banter. How are you, Lael? What's your week been like? Why? Well, I am where I live in lovely Melbourne. We have just gone back down into lockdown, which is something that feels very familiar. It's very interesting. This is the fifth time around. And wherever you're listening to in the world, perhaps you've been in a continuous lockdown. Perhaps you haven't had any. It is a very interesting place to sit in. There's been many feelings that have come up in the past, but right now um, I am okay. And my husband and I, when they said we were going into lockdown again, uh, you know, I work a lot from home, so does my husband, and it doesn't really affect us too much personally, but it does have an impact on my beautiful teenage daughters because a lot of their life is their friends and where they work and what they do and in these lockdowns they are unable to do that and so um, I really do both of us kind of see the impact for them I think on their mental health or where they sit and so we just both decided all right we're going to just up our family time a little bit more so we've been playing lots of games we've been laughing I've been making many TikToks Um, (laughs) if you choose to follow my daughters you'll see my fabulous dancing uh I have just really felt the need to just really hold them pretty close as they navigate this because for teens and like this is pretty apt because we're going to talk about teens today so much of their um their joy and their process comes through their friends and when they are not having physical contact with their friends I I see the impact that has and so that is is pretty big so anyway we are we are having a pretty fabulous time here in our family. We are eating pretty amazing food. I was laughing with my husband the other day saying, when our kids look back on what lockdown was about, all they'll talk about is the food that we ate <laughs> because each day we're like, what's something fabulous we can cook for dinner? And then we all plan it and it's, yeah, it's all become about the food. <laughs> so I'm just, yep, that's cool. Let's do that. Um, we're doing whatever you need to do to navigate a really interesting time in the world. That's what I'm you know, witnessing at the moment, you know, my 13 year old daughter was sharing with me. She's like, I have no motivation to do anything. I don't. And I was like, yeah, well, we're in this space of limbo at the moment. And when we keep making plans and then they have to change and that's, it's big. These are really interesting things that we've often never had to navigate before. Well, even in my lifetime, I haven't had to navigate a lot of what's coming up. And so for my children as well, it's really interesting. So, so that's where we're sitting at this interesting place in the world at the moment. Um, but it's been, it has been a lot of fun. We've actually had lots of laughs as a family and, and, um, I see that, see the absolute joy in that and the, and the blessings and the gifts in that actually to just be a bit slower and be together. So Mm. that's pretty, that's pretty beautiful. Mm. What about you? What's been going on in your world? Yummy, Lael. Well, as you know, my exciting adventures, I went to the dentist yesterday and I didn't feel at all scared before or during or after. Uh, I did have my uh, inner loving mother there with me, of course, but Mm -hmm. I didn't need her to. Normally I need to be doing a lot of work beforehand, Mm -hmm. a lot of work during. um, And I I didn't. And I feel so 
mm. happy and excited and like you know and for me you know we talked we did all those podcasts on trauma of course and you know, really to see you know an experience of going through like that from being terrified because of the my trauma experience as a baby in an incubator and then quite a lot of dental trauma is like to see uh, something that's always been so overlaid with so many extra feelings so I haven't ever been able to just experience going mm. to the actual experience of in the here and now to now experience it just the here and now without all that overlay it's you know so interesting to really see see that and just to understand that on a on a felt sense level and I'm like oh this is what probably many many people feel <laughs> and the other dentists are like oh I'm my tooth hurts I'm going to the dentist isn't that wonderful can I book one up as soon as possible and as I was telling you now now I'm like I know I'm thinking isn't the world an amazing place that there are dentists can you imagine <laughs> what it was like before there were I mean it would be horrific so, I mean I couldn't even contemplate thinking that thought before so mm. yeah I'm just really so enjoy the journey of healing and growing and becoming mm. and releasing and freeing up and all of that stuff amazing I'm so celebrating that for you because I know how big that the dentist journey has been for you it's been massive so massive so for you you sent me a message yesterday going I went to the dentist I wasn't scared and it was almost enjoyable and I was, <laughs> was. like oh my god that is that is amazing I love that I think that's you know what I love in you sharing that story is it's really important to mark when we have healed or we've grown in whatever parts of our life that we feel challenging it's really worth celebrating when we see how far we've come I don't think we do that enough I think that's amazing mm. it's so great so let's great let's do so a new great. thing a new hashtag so yeah, right. celebrate the healing or something yes. like that celebrate your growth. celebrating my healing <laughs> something like come and hashtag us in, yes. uh, on our Instagram tell us what you're celebrating that you've that yes you're that's such a good one that's so good that's so good I, like I have so many reflections of particularly when I was working through kind of PTSD and trauma stuff and it would turn up in certain ways. And then when I'd go and do something and I would be okay, I'd be like, oh, my God, I, <laughs> I didn't feel worried. Or And those things are so important, I think, to mark so we can see how far we've come. But it also, I think, helps our psyche go, yeah, sometimes things are tricky, but you can heal them and you can move through them. And I think that's so beautiful and important. Yeah, that's Aww. so, that's so beautiful. I see a lot of that with birth trauma as well. You know, I know with me and my own birth trauma that, you know, I couldn't think about it without feeling sick or I would cry or whatever. And then to reach a point where you feel nothing but joy or just gratitude for the experience is just so huge. And so I think that, that it is so worth celebrating so yes good on you for your <laughs> dental journey <laughs> and you. what that stands for yes mm. thank you so much lovely mm, so good right back well, to te teens in yes, the mix yes so i'm gonna we, we are responding because we like responding to questions so again nice reminder if you have something you'd like us to talk about please send us a message on instagram or facebook and um we will see if we can respond to your question around parenting or aware parenting, whatever's there for you. So this is in response to someone who wrote a question just saying, um, I'd really love to receive some inspiration in this topic um, and hear some uh, experiences from an aware parenting point of view. Uh, hang on, where is it? Uh, sorry. <laughs> Here we go. I'm just That was one part of it. Would you be willing to make a podcast about how to set loving limits with teenagers? 
Okay. Um, I think that was all it is. Yeah. So really just um, this, this person was just sharing they'd like to have a bit of understanding about how that might look, you know, that they're clear of what it looks like with younger people, but with teenagers, what do loving limits look like, especially when they're acting out, uh, when perhaps there's anger or there's big feelings going on, what would loving limits look like? So awesome topic, one that I love to talk about, particularly Which I'm teenagers. so glad I said it. Over to you, Lael. You can talk about this one. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, the first thing that comes to me is, of course, um, you know, as we always we start with from an aware parenting point of view is that when when anybody has big feelings going on, you know, there's some, it's telling us something. If we looked behind the behavior, so if we're looking at a teenager who is slamming their door or yelling at you, I hate you, or this is not fair, all those kind of things, then we can be sure straight away that they're like, well, something big is going on for me. And I think if we come back to those beautiful basics we talk about in Aware Parenting too, is that when children are feeling, in my words, imbalanced, so they're feeling pretty good, you know, sometimes when we set a limit or we say no to something, they might be a little bit annoyed, but then they'll move on pretty quickly. But when we set limits, and sometimes that's what we might need to do more of with teenagers, simply around, no, I don't want you to go out at 9.30 at night and catch the train by yourself, or, um, you know, I don't really want you to have a sleepover at that person's house or something like that. You know, if, if a child is feeling pretty okay they might feel unhappy about that but they'll move on but if there is you know a backlog of feelings or if there's a whole lot of stuff that's bubbling there then their reactions and their responses might be much bigger than that and so I think the first place I look at as a parent is to always be curious what what are they showing me what are they telling me in these moments and I found with my own children too that sometimes the smallest requests when I ask them to do something or perhaps when I say no to something and I get the biggest reactions, I see it often as like, oh, something's brewing. And so what can I do to help them move? What is going on? So I think always for me, firstly, is let's look behind the behavior to see what they're actually saying with, with those big feelings and expressions in those moments. I think when it comes to setting limits, and I think this is a beautiful thing to look at with teenagers is that and and Marion and I just touched on this before when we were chatting it's not so much about here's the limit and this is why I think you should do this it's about more of a discussion around how do we get our needs met what is going on for you what are you wanting in this situation where does that sit for me it is so much more around conversations around how we can all get what we need now I think whenever as this person wrote that how do we set limits, particularly when our kids are angry or there's big feelings on board? In those situations, you know, for me or my suggestions would be that is when we need to bring the calm to the fire. So if there is a teen who is raging or yelling or slamming doors, that is not the time to be having a conversation about why that is not appropriate or why they can't go to the park or whatever it is that's going on. That is the time where we need to be that calm, centered anchor and for me, energetically let them know, hey, I can see something's big for you. I am here and I can hold this because, you know, when you think back even to being a teenager, when you were angry, when you felt stretched, when you were feeling 
out of control, what is it that we would have needed or wanted from our parent in that moment? Did we want our parent to come to battle with us and start yelling over the top of us as to why we were wrong or why we shouldn't be doing that? I don't think anybody wanted that. Did we want a, par- a parent who just kind of freaked out when oh, this is too much and just walked away and, you know, we felt then that they couldn't meet us in there? Or did we want a parent who we felt was really rock solid, who could hold that beautiful container for us, why we are bouncing around in there, feeling all the feelings that we've got going on? Now, I think, uh, look, I'm just going to ramble here for a bit, Marion. <laughs> I'm going to throw it back You're and not jump rambling. in. You're not rambling. Please, please. <laughs> beautiful but speaking. I, one of the things that I, uh, you know, I, I really come back to is, thinking about particularly why it can feel so daunting or overwhelming with teenagers is that when we have younger people, when we've got little ones who've got big feelings, you know, we, yes, it can be big listening to a five-year-old tantrum and rage, you know, or a a three-year-old or a seven-year-old, but we also can often from the adult point of view, just be like, yep, I'm here. I can keep them safe. You know, if need be, I can pick them up and move them to another room. I can, you know, make sure that they don't hit me. I, you know, I can see that they're probably feeling out of control and what they need is a calm adult. And and sometimes it's easier to hold the big space for those feelings when our children are little. Sometimes it's not, but sometimes just purely because we are an adult and they are a child, we can see it. Yet when our beautiful kids become teenagers and they grow and, you know, end up being like six foot two when they're like 14 or, you know, they're, they're, finding themselves often it can feel overwhelming or daunting because it's even if you wanted to power over them often you can't because they're bigger um you know and that that those feelings that they might have on board whether that is some anger or aggression can feel challenging it can feel overwhelming for a parent it can feel scary sometimes and so i think it's really important to remember that a lot of the time what i've found with working with parents with teens is there can be a fear to set a limit or, or not have those discussions we might have because there's a fear of, well, what will they do? And one of the other big fears, which is what I experienced when my kids started to move through this is, but if I set a limit and they don't like it, they might leave because they can, they can walk out the door, they can get on the bus, they can go somewhere. You might not know where they are. Whereas when you've got little people, you know, that's probably not going to happen. And so I have found with myself and some other parents I've worked with that that was a big thing to work through that, you know, the fear of setting a limit or even having those discussions, you know, and worrying about upsetting our team could mean that they would might leave or that something they might go and do something dangerous. And, and I think that's a really important place to, to start with is our own feelings around setting those limits or what comes up for us in, in perhaps creating some more boundaries or limits within our families with our teens. So I think it's um, there's many places to go within this conversation and I think it also comes back to what what is it that we wanted when we were a teenager and what is the energy that we are meeting our teens with when they have those big feelings. I love it. Please, please carry on. <laughs> well, I, I think, you know, I think the thing is, I guess what I come back to too and what I've experienced with my own kids is that the more centred I can stay within myself, and we talk about this a lot, is is finding our own being resourced enough to stay connected to ourselves is that when my teens walk in the door and there's some big feelings going on that 
I can stay deeply centered in myself to be like, yes, I'm here. I can hold this. Now it's interesting. I asked my daughter the other day, um, someone was talking about, you know, what do you do with aggression with teens? And I said to her, okay, so when you're angry, what is it that you feel you really need from us? And it was interesting because she said to me, well, the first thing is I don't need you to keep probing as to why, like, don't keep asking me all the questions and why this and why that I'm just angry. And sometimes I don't know why. And I was like, okay, yep. What else? And she said, well, what else I need is to need to know that you're not rattled by it. Like you, you are stable within it. And I was like, yep, got that. And she said, and the third thing is if I want space, that you give me a bit of space, but then you check on me. And I was like, okay, I've got that as well. And she said, and sometimes with my anger, you know, I don't know what it's about and I don't want to talk about it, but I need to just go for a walk and I need to listen to music and I need to just be with it because sometimes it's about nothing. And I was like, yeah, I I, I get that. And you know, when I look at also too in understanding just what happens with the brain and hormones with teenagers, sometimes they have no idea why they're feeling what they're feeling. They are just moving through a whole lot of different changes and stuff that's going on. So it is hard for them to put to words, I feel like this because of this or this is what's bothering me. Sometimes it just is. I watched my daughter the other day, bless her. My husband said something that was a little bit funny. She did not find it funny at all. And I kind of giggled because I thought it was funny. And just instantly she turned around and she's like, she just said something so, you too, like, can't you see that that is not humorous at all? Why are you responding? And there was this really just over the top reaction for her, which isn't normally her. And and I had to stop myself from going, oh, what's going on right now? But I just kind of went, oh, there's an edge there for her. And she kind of stormed out of the room and she doesn't normally do that. But I was like, it was like I could almost just see all the parts of her body going, I don't know who I am. I don't know how to feel. I'm confused about where this, where I am at this time in my life. It was like all of that came out in this response to a joke, to a dad joke that was really, I thought it was kind of cute and funny, but she did not think it was funny. So I gave her, you know, a few minutes and then I went into her room and I'm like, hey, baby, you all right? I'm just checking on you. She's like, oh, he's just not funny. (laughs) And then she said, I I just, I don't know. I just feel a bit, I'm just a more bit all over the place. I was like, that's okay. Do you need a cuddle? She's like, yes. And then I gave her a cuddle and then it kind of softened. And I was like, is there anything else you want to share? And she's like, no. Yeah. And then that was it. And then she moved past it. But I think sometimes you have to remember teenagers, you know, and if you can think back to being a teenager, sometimes we don't know why we're feeling what we're feeling or where it's at. And, and those big expressions and explosions are an opportunity for us to try and move something, but we don't know how. And I think that's another really important thing to think about as a parent is that our children have got a lot of stresses going on. There's often, again, all the things we talk about, they might feel powerless. They might feel unsure about who they are. They might not feel like they belong. There might be stuff going on with their friends. They might be feeling pressure around schoolwork or study or all the big pieces and And they're still learning how to navigate all those big feelings. So sometimes they are going to look for a place to push up against to discharge what they're feeling. And as we have discussed so many times, we are often the safe place for them to come to bring those feelings. So they will, you know, they will bark at you when you ask them to fold the washing or they'll laugh, you know, they'll lose it like a a bad dad joke, or they will pick, you know, into things that they normally wouldn't bother about because they're looking for somewhere to 
for discharge some of those big feelings. And again, what I come back to is what they perhaps need in that moment is a parent who can stay really deeply anchored and centered and see what is actually going on and just hold for them in that moment so it can actually move. Mm, I love everything that you're saying, Lel. So, yeah, I mean, I can imagine people being really moved and inspired and touched and like, oh, my gosh, just imagine Imagine having Lel as your mum uh, as a teenager. <laughs> How amazing it would have been. You could go and just talk about anything. <laughs> uh, I'd like just really just to keep it real. There's plenty of times where I haven't responded like that. <laughs> yeah. Probably it's very minority, isn't it? Uh, but I think it's, well, thank you for saying that. But I, you know, it's challenging. Look, and I, I mean, I think I've shared this in the podcast before. There's been, I have a son, beautiful gorgeous 21 year old man now who's the type of kid if there's edges to find he's gonna find them right so he has done all sorts of stupid stuff and he's put himself out there and he lives in life in a big way and he has so tested me on holding that center and trust because of and letting him be who he needs to be and that hasn't been easy it's there's been many times where I've been up at midnight going you know he was meant to be home five minutes ago and he's not home yet and just has something happened to him or where's he at and and they're all parts of you know I think incredible growth to keep moving into trust as we always talk about and and working and building on the relationship so that we have you know the communication there so that we don't actually have to get to those places where there are lots of limits needing to be set so you know I guess if we're coming around to what we're talking about here is that for me what I have found with my kids I never I didn't have to set a lot of limits for them because the main thing that we always prioritize was communication and listening to each other's needs so for us if my child wanted to do something and they wanted to go to a party or they wanted to do something and I was like "Mm, feeling a bit off about it I would sit down and go, okay, tell me what you want and how does that look? And I'm going to share with you what my concerns are and how could we meet in the middle so we can both get our needs met here. And, you know, for my kids, we often say, look, our needs are about um, just safety. We just want to know where you are and we want to know that you're safe. That's our stuff. That was always our big thing. And we just want to keep the communication lines open. So if that's my need and your need is to go and be with your friends or go and try new things or your need for autonomy, how can we do that so we can all actually meet our needs? Now, there were plenty of clunky times with my kids when we didn't meet on that level and perhaps they lied about where they were or they didn't really tell us what was going on. And, and sometimes that would then come to light and And what we would do again is come back to sitting down, chatting and going, okay, you know, what was happening for you that you couldn't tell us the truth? You know, this is what was going on for me. How can we do this better? And, you know, I never and I haven't ever punished my kids. I don't believe in that because I I think that, you know, that is just, you know, again, it's only going to drive behavior further underground of not telling me what was going on. So when our kids did act out in a way that wasn't okay, or perhaps they lied about something, we would always come back to, okay, how can we do this better next time where we can all get our needs met? And there's that beautiful mutual respect there for each other. And so the times that my kids did lie, I find that after that, they often, they didn't, and they would be really um, honest about where they were going. I mean, I, I laughed the other day, my beautiful daughter just turned 18 And um, she went out and she went out for dinner with a friend. And then she texted us at like, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night and said, I think we're going to go to a bar 
for a drink. Is that okay? <laughs> I text back and went, darling, you're an adult. You can go and have a drink in a bar if you want. She's like, oh, yeah, I can. Can I? Okay. And she said, what time do you want me to be home? And my husband and I were giggling because we were like, she's so beautifully respectful of just like, well, I don't want you to have to worry about waiting up for me. And what time do you think I'd want to be home? And I was like, well, you know, you're having a good time. Like maybe come home by midnight so then I can see you. It's the middle of the week, you know. And she's like, okay, yeah, that's really great. And I, I loved that she was wanting to share like or just check in because I think we really try to prioritise that mutual respect for each other. And, you know, when she came home, you know, she came in and she was telling us all about the the date she was on and, you know, and I said, how was that was the first bar you've been to as an adult? And she's like, I know, I, you know, I wanted them to ask me for ID so I could show them. And I was like, excellent. And we're having a, a giggle and a delight in, you know, that next phase of her life. And I said, thank you so much for checking in like that. I really appreciate that. And she said, well, I just don't want you guys to worry about me or just wait up for me. And so I just thought that was respectful. And I was like, that's beautiful, right? That's what we want to work towards. So we're all getting our needs met. And I think that comes again from building that trust. It's from having all those times perhaps where our kids, you know, do break the rules or aren't completely honest with us and the way that we come to then approaching that and building on the connection and the conversations makes a difference moving forward. So in saying all that, when it comes to limits, you know, what I, I think is that, you know, when you have a child who is angry and, you know, my first step would be you get calm, like get calm, hold the space when they're angry. You might even just want to say, I can see there's a whole lot going on for you right now. So I'm going to give you a moment to calm down. I'll come back and chat when you're ready. Um, I, I'm here for you. I can see that there's stuff going on, you know, and, and just letting them know even energetically, hey, I can hold this. I'm not rattled by this. You know, I still love you even when there's big stuff that's coming at me because I can see that you're feeling there's some stuff going on. And then, you know, there's no point having a conversation with anyone, you know, to try and get to the point of stuff when they're feeling really angry. We want to ideally move past that to the feelings and then we can talk. So, you know, my next step then is help, well, whatever the child needs to do to allow that anger to shift or move to then be able to create enough safety to come in and, and say, hey, I can see there's big stuff going on. Do you want to talk? Or I'm here to listen and, you know, we, we'll find a way to get all our needs met here. Let's just open it up and see. And, and then often it's just listening. It's not fixing. It is not uh, freaking out. It is not judging. It is just sitting and listening and creating the space for our teens to talk about what they're worried about, what's going on for them, why things don't feel fair and always coming back to, all right, well, how can we do this so we can all move forward together? And sometimes what that looks like for me is, you know, I have to take a break and I'm going to have a think about it and come back and we'll chat again. So if I'm watching myself get a bit fired up or if I actually do not know what to say or do, I will often call a, a timeout of just, hey, I need to sit with this for a bit and can we talk about this, you know, tomorrow morning or, or in an hour or so. And that's often where I'll go and check in with myself around what feelings are coming up or go and talk to a empathy buddy, listening partner to say, oh, this is what's going on and I'm not sure what to do or talk to my husband. But then, you know, my goal has always been to come back and to be as clear and as clean as possible in my own energy so I can hold space for them. Beautiful. <laughs> so, Marion, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, you know, when you were a teenager, 
right? So did you have many limits or what, what did that look like for you in those years for you? Mm, I didn't have any limits. Mm. Were you just allowed to do whatever you wanted to? Uh, which actually for me in lots of ways I really found really helpful because um, I, I found my own internal limits. So I got to explore like bedtimes and, you know, so I, you know, I got to feel in for myself what, mm. what felt right for me or not. So there was a lot of trust, mm. which was actually really helpful for me. And also as a highly sensitive person anyway, you know, there were, you know, there were you know, lots of things that I didn't really want to do that uh, mm. other teenagers might want to do. So, yeah, for me, um, yeah, definitely, of course, it had, you know, there were painful elements to that, but it also really helped me you know, find my own internal places and of course mm. there are places where that took longer <laughs> longer to find mm-hmm. and places where I found them more easily you know around um you know like self self motivation around what's it called internal intrinsic motivation around mm. um homework and studying and things like that I really found those things for myself and bedtimes I really found those for myself so yeah that was my experience Mm, yeah that's beautiful I I didn't grow up in a house with lots and lots of limits I I think my parents um really were like we want you to explore life and they really prioritized communication so they would often just say just tell us where you're going or what you're doing and you know they were really um I, you know, they were always there. I knew they were always there. And, you know, I did classic stuff as a teenager where I said I was going somewhere and then went somewhere else and then got busted. And there were those pieces that we kind of learned from. But I think also, you know, my beautiful mum, she had wisdom to, to go, I want to make it safe enough at home for you to bring whatever's going on and for your friends to bring whatever's going on. So, you know, we were often the house where people would come when they would run away from home or they would have enough that we would come. So there was an element of safety there of like, yeah, we, you know, we can see that there's stuff going on for you and make it okay for you to, to share or to, to feel, you know, when I come back again to, I think one of the beautiful philosophies of where parenting, when we talk about cooperation, because sometimes a lot of where we can butt heads with our beautiful teens can be when we want them to do something and they don't want to do it. And of course, as a teenager, we have, you know, a lot more awareness that, well, I don't have to, right? I can say no to that, or I'm not willing to do that, or I am not going to Aunt Karen's house for dinner because it's boring. (laughs) So, so I think, you know, it's going to come up a lot more that they have their own will and that they can exercise that will. And, and I think that's where it's, it's important to come back to, you know, that beautiful philosophy of where parenting, the connection will often equal cooperation. So when we prioritize connection, which is meeting our kids where they're at, it's about taking an interest in their world. It's about still playing with our teens in ways that make them laugh and help them to feel seen. It's also about looking at their life and going, well, what are you being made to do that you don't really want to do? You know, this can be a huge issue with our schooling system. It can be, you know, other bits and pieces that that they might feel a pressure to do, even though they don't want to. Where is their choice and autonomy in their own beautiful being? How can we foster that for them? How can they learn to develop who they need to be outside that family unit? And how do we prioritize connection amongst all of that? Like that for me is the goal of what we're looking at here. And amongst all that, 
owning our own pieces that we get, you know, that come up for us, the our own childhood experiences and also our own fears and worries is, you know, I'm worried something's going to happen to them or I'm worried if they don't study, they won't get good grades and then what will happen to them? Or I'm worried if they hang out with these people, then all of a sudden they might, you know, take lots of drugs and end up robbing people. Like, I mean, I think our minds can completely go crazy in our fear of what we think may happen instead of coming back to what to owning that that's our fear and coming back to what we see in front of us and and what would connection look like right now in this situation we're at what would connection so you know if your teen is angry and you're needing to set a limit maybe that's the first thing that goes through your head what would connection look like now right now and what connection might look like is you looking in the eye saying what you see i see you're mad i see you're really angry um i don't want to talk about this now while we're while we're getting heated so i'm going to give it a pause for a minute i'm going to come back to you maybe that's what connection looks like what do you need in this moment to help you move some of your stuff i'm here i can help you you know so it's perhaps responding in those conversations so that we can then prioritize that connection again which there we're more likely to find a solution that works for both of you Mm. so much wisdom now so yummy Mm. Thanks, lovely. I love teens. You know how much I, I love teens. I know you do. They're so, they're so fabulous. They're so fabulous. And I look, I want to bring it again back to, and I've spe- I've shared this on the podcast before, you know, when I worked with teens for quite a few years and worked teaching sex ed and, and relationship stuff to them, and, and the theme that kept coming up again and again and again when we talked about parenting and the one thing that they often wanted was, you know, I just wish my parents would listen. And that was the thing that came up constantly, that they really wish their parents would listen without judgment. They would listen without trying to fix the problem. And they would listen without getting into the drama with them. And all of them would often say that if my parent does do that, I trust my parent more. And of course, when we look at it from an aware parenting lens, when we feel that connection, we want to do the right thing, which means we want to tell you where we're at and we want to share about the things that are going on. And we're more likely to come to you with the worries and the angst that we're carrying because we feel that you can hold it and it feels safe enough to share these pieces. And I think that's got to be the priority of of where we see it. You know, I, I feel saddened these days when I see that a lot of the advice around teens is still around punishing them, around taking their phones away, around grounding them, around, you know, setting these boundaries to let them know that you're the boss and that behavior is not acceptable and they need to win back your approval still. Like that's still a lot of the main messages that are out there. And I think we're really off track there because we're missing even the reason why they might be acting out or why they're behaving in a certain way. And what if we came to that first? What if we came to that? I'm looking as to what's going on for you and how can I support you to navigate that instead of, you know, you've lied to me. So now you have to earn my trust back, which means you're not allowed to go out for a week. And, and I'm imagining how that might feel for me if I was a teen and that's what I heard, I'd be like, well, F you, right? Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> My response to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What would I want for that? What would I want? I would want my parent to be curious as to why did you lie to me, honey? What was going on that you couldn't tell me the truth? And how can I make it safer for you to tell me the truth? And what needs are not being met for you? You know, do you need more autonomy? Do you need... Um, you know, yeah, you wanting to explore these other edges. How can we do that in a way that's safe? I mean, you know, one of the beautiful things I love about teens, and I actually love 
did love Dan Siegel's book Brainstorm because I think it gives a really great insight into growth that happens in teenage brains. And I do recommend to parents to read that book. But he talks about the four qualities of mind that develop when um, teens are, are basically making this transition. And, you know, one of the things he talks about is that they look for greater dopamine release. They look for things where they can take risks because they are looking to get that high. And it's why teens will often do really stupid stuff like ride their bike off the roof or climb something really high or, or do stuff that can be a bit outrageous that we think is crazy, right? Because their brains and that prefrontal cortex is still developing and growing. And they are often looking for how do I get that pleasure reward response? And so you know, they want to do risk-taking stuff. And so one of the flip sides of that is being able to give them opportunities to take risks in ways that are safer, which can be like extreme sports, <laughs> like do it in a way that's a bit more perhaps controlled or safe or being, you know, on the stage in theatre, you know, huge dopamine release you get from putting yourself out there or, you know, taking risks in other ways where they actually can meet that need for that those beautiful highs that they get. So, I you know, there's, there's a few other things um, Dan Siegel talks about in the four qualities of mind of what's growing and developing in the teenage brain. And I recommend reading that as a parent because it helped me when I read that understand, ah, okay, this isn't him, them being stupid or making bad decisions. This is them actually really learning who they are, looking for what pleasure feels like, you know, looking for the flip side of that. This is also them about learning to take risks and how that looks in the world. You know, this is also about them, you know, learning about relationships and friendships by by becoming really immersed in a peer group more so than what the family is. You know, there's so many beautiful qualities that are happening as they grow uh, through these teenage years. And when we can understand the, the why behind it, it can take the charge out of us as for a parent to in judging them. Why are they doing that? And they're stupid or they're disrespectful or this, this, and this, when we can actually say, ah, they're just trying really hard to integrate a lot of what's going on and also, again, get their needs met. Mm, so wonderful. I'm just going to keep saying so wonderful, so wise. I love listening to you. Mm, <laughs> thank you, lovely. Thank you. Well, I hope that <clears throat> have you got anything else that you want to say, Marion? Because <laughs> we were going to uh, podcast on It was going to be you. It's like you, you talk, you're amazing at this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you. We, we were laughing when we were going to do one on teens and we're going to do one on babies. And I'm like, all right, I'll just ask you the questions on babies and I'll talk about teens. Um, you know, I guess what I want to just finish off with is that, um, you know, as we talk about often with aware parenting is that it's such an invitation to look into our own teenage journey when we have our teenagers and a lot of the reactions we might have towards our teens are probably deeply rooted in our own experiences of where we didn't get our needs met or how that turned up for us in our world. And the more we can explore those elements, the less likely we are to be reactive with our kids, the more likely we are to be able to hold a really safe space for them, the more likely we are to look behind that behavior and see what's going on and, and meet them in a way that creates safety so they can process what they're feeling and what they're needing. So the invitation again is always to lean into what our own responses are. You know, that classic thing, if we are yelling at our teens, then there's something in it for us. So we might need to take a break 
lean into what am I feeling? Do I feel disrespected? Do I feel like I do everything and they're not grateful? Do I feel a lot of fear that something might happen to them? Like what is going on for me here? What is happening in my body and my reaction? Because this is something for me to look at so I can come back and, and hold that space for them as they are doing their learning and growing. So I think that's always just such an important place to come back to. So lovely, Lyle. So do you have a, a specific invitation? I mean, I know that was just an invitation. Do you have a, another invitation for listeners who have teens or maybe tweens or maybe like pre-tweens who are wanting to prepare themselves? Mm, yeah. Well, I just firstly want to say I do not believe the teen years have to be hard and um tumultuous and full of slam doors and and I think you know we've talked about this before our teens get a bad rap in our culture I think yes. and they are fabulous and they are full of insight and they are growing and they are some of the most fabulous humans to hang out with because they're just they're fun and um, they're quirky and they can be sharp and you know I just um, I think firstly just changing that mindset that it's going to be hard it doesn't have to be mm. I think if you can absolutely prioritize connection first and doing your own work and that can make a huge difference to the way we turn up for them and and towards them um, and always like how beautiful you know podcast we did on feeling loved to talk to them about what they want what they need what things they wish look different have those beautiful family meetings ask them questions like what do you wish look different in this family or what would feel better for you or what is it that I do that you find really challenging like ask them they'll tell you <laughs> they will totally tell you you might not like the response but you're going to hear or get a bit of an insight as to where they're at and what needs are not being met for them and then you can work together as a family unit to um, yeah to to create the kind of family or the harmony that you want so yeah my invitation all those things is just um to think about what kind of relationship do you want with your teens and what do you need to do to help facilitate that? What about for you, Marion? What would you offer around this beautiful teen topic? Uh, beautiful. Well, I think it's the same as what you said. <laughs> well, 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 what would you have loved? What would you have loved? Well, and what does your inner teen, what does your inner teen want to hear and receive and um, in ways that might help you in your parenting of your teen or teens that's what I would love to offer mm. do you know there's one more thing I want to just say is um I just finished a um I have like a teen immersion which is for parents once we've done the kind of the childhood early years then we do like four weeks around different aspects of, of when we were teens and one of the themes that came up again and again and again and again through the teen years is what often a lot of the parents felt that that was missing was a adult who was like a mentor or a guide. So another adult, and didn't necessarily have to be a parent, but just someone who could say, hey, I see you. You don't have to act like that to be loved or you don't have to pretend to be that just to be included or, you know, this is actually really what intimacy and sex is about. Or what, what came up again and again and again was having a, where were the mentors to help us navigate this time of teenage years. Now, it's quite normal 
for teenagers to want to pull away from their family unit. So they might not want to share with their parents what's going on, but they are often searching for somebody else who can be that wise guide. Now, if they don't find that wise guide, they're going to look to their peers and go, all right, well, we'll just all kind of guide each other and nobody really knows what they're doing. And I think that's it really highlights to me too how we need rites of passage, how we need mentors for particularly those teen years, other people who are just a few years above them even to be, hey, I'm here and, you know, tell me what you're thinking and let me share what I know around this this time in your life that can help and hold you. So that was a really big theme that turned up a lot when we go back into what did we need as a teenager. That was one that turned up a lot for me. Where were those adults or people who who should have said to me, hey, you don't have to do that? Or there's another way to do this. And that's that was where I felt let down a lot in my teenage years of not having that mentoring or that guide to show me there was a different way. Mm, so beautiful. Mm. Uh, so I was going to say that you've got two wonderful offerings, haven't you, which is one of those, one of them is your immersion, but that's for people who've already done your level one immersion. Mm. But you also mm. do have a lovely offering, another one. Um for tween don't you I'm like what are you talking about <laughs> yeah I have a webinar I have a two-hour webinar which is um yeah, we're very for tweens and teens which yeah it is it's awesome it talks about a lot of this stuff it also talks heaps about sex education and sex and how to have these conversations and what we're setting up so um yeah that's that that is there as well it's a two-hour webinar you can find on my website I forgot that existed but thank you yes oh my god no it's amazing I, again I have so many people say oh my god that was amazing oh. I recommend it to everyone Everyone. So, yeah, thanks, lovely. You are such a, a fountain font of wisdom around this, and a book. We still, I still think a book on this would be so wonderful, wouldn't it? Well, well, let's we'll, we'll make sure our book's out first, and then we can uh, <laughs> move into the next phase. We'll do that one after that. After that one, and I thought we're doing uh, our other one after that. So maybe it could be. Oh, well, this will be the third book. Yes, third one. And you write it, really, and I'll just. <laughs> We'll have a mother power book. I'll just chat with you. (laughs) Yeah, beautiful. Well, I yeah, thank you for the questions because I think it's um, you know, look, we have a lot of people who are listeners here who have little people, but I'm also very aware that, you know, as kids grow, you know, as we move into this next phase, you know, it can it can look differently parenting, you know, um teenagers. I think it requires a different that there's a different quality that comes when we're raising teens and so I think it's why we have all those years hopefully of listening to their feelings and staying connected so by the time you get to the teen years you're like right I am here and I can I can navigate this because it comes with lots of other different you know beautiful elements so yes it's worth the journey though it's worth doing all right. Well, thank you oh, for being yummy. here, everybody. Thanks mm. for being my uh, <laughs> sounding board, Marion. I loved it. I loved it. Thank you for mm. thank you thank you for sharing and mm. um, so much love to you, dear mm. listeners. Thank you. Bye. Thanks for joining us on the Aware Parenting Journey. Please follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the Aware Parenting Podcast. You can find more about Lael at www.laelstone.com.au or find Marion at www.marionrose.net. We wish you much compassion and grace on your parenting journey.